Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week's guest is Amanda Blue, who was the lead singer of the band Spider. Now, they were one of those great rock slash new wave bands that were big in the late 70s, early 80s, just barely pre-MTV, you know that sound? They only ever cracked the top 40 once with New Romance, the song you're listening to here, which reached number 39 in 1980. They put out two albums, one in 80 and 81, and then they changed their name to Shanghai, and they put out one more album, which I think might be my favorite, and then that was pretty much it. They all went and did other things. But what's fascinating about this band is that there are several points of interest that I think you should be aware of. Number one, they were a South African band, but they were discovered by KISS and managed by Bill Coin. Fascinating. Also, their band featured some people that you know and probably don't realize. Number one, Holly Knight was in this band. Now, if you don't know who Holly Knight is, she's like a Hall of Fame songwriter. She wrote Simply the Best by Tina Turner. She wrote Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar. She wrote The Warrior by Scandal. I mean, she's gigantic. What's interesting too is that two of her songs that went on to be giant hits for other people, namely Change by John Waite and Better Be Good to Me, also by Tina Turner, originated in Spider. In fact, I think the Spider version of Better Be Good to Me is better. So that's kind of fascinating. Also, the drummer of Spider was Anton Figg. Anton Figg used to be married to Amanda Blue. And Anton Figg, if you don't know, went on to be the drummer in Paul Schaefer's band for David Letterman, for Ever and Ever. So there's a lot of interesting things. This was like ground zero for some very fascinating people and stories in rock. Amanda herself went on to do some solo work, but now she's very into like holistic healing. It's quite fascinating and she's a lovely, lovely lady. She tells us about it in here. Also, this was a listener request. Jim Headley, who, bless you Jim, he was one of the first listeners I was aware of who was not a family or friend and has been around since the beginning. He had a big fat crush on Amanda back in the day. He asked me to track her down, which I did. So I hope you enjoy this. Amanda's still out there doing it. She called me from her home in LA. One of my thankfully devoted listeners named Jim Headley, he requested you specifically He's been a big fan since he was a kid. <laughs> I love and, him. Uh, yeah. So I thought, great, I've been following you on Facebook for a while, and I th and you seem really communicative and outspoken, and I thought, I bet she'd be really Facebook. open to that. I love yeah. Facebook. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. It's such a platform, you know, especially for an artist that lives most of the time in the studio or in their head mm -hmm. or in their heart, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I'm an internal person, so this Facebook is really a fabulous vehicle for me. Yeah, it's got to feel good to connect with people who care about you. And, I mean, in your case, being somewhat of a public figure, you've got fans that are following you and well, that people was a who miracle. love your poetry and all that, that kind of stuff. That was a miracle. You know I mean? Because, like, in 2007 when I discovered the Internet, you know, but yeah. not for the first time, but obviously like Facebook and all that stuff. And there was a, actually there was a lot of um, negative stuff going around about it. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of mm -hmm. my generation were like, oh, we don't yeah. ever go on that thing. But I think we're all kind of getting one over in some ways because mm -hmm. we get a chance to have a voice, an individual voice, which is a huge privilege for mm -hmm. most, most people because a lot of the world doesn't have that. And we yeah. have like all this tech in, uh, available to us here in America. Oh my God. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't get that stuff. Not where I come from in Cape Town. I know. I you bet. don't get that. I mean, you don't even I get bet. a quarter of it. It's such a huge privilege to have it. Man. Yeah, it really is. When it first started becoming a thing, my wife and I were very anti because in the beginning, and maybe you can remember this too, it seemed like everyone used it to find people that they liked in high school <laughs> so they could leave I know, their I houses. I heard a lot of complaints about You know that. what I mean? <laughs> it just seemed like a lot of people were getting divorced because they were reconnecting with some old flame on Facebook. <laughs> and so my wife and I were like, forget that. We're not, I don't, we don't need that. Too, you know? I switched jobs, and I wanted to stay in contact with all my friends from my old job, and that's what right. they were all doing. And I thought, well, I guess I'll join so I can stay connected to them. And then, of course, you know, 10 years later or whatever this is, it's completely ingrained in your life. Part of yeah, life. Yeah, and for me, particularly as an artist, it particularly it's just given me this huge mm-hmm. platform to share my art and to yeah. see other people's art. And also internationally, I mean, I was shocked and how many uh, fans we had, Spider, in Europe. and and Well, I've actually been developing my African audience. Really? And that's, been a, that's been a completely unexpected miracle. I wow. hooked up with some guys that I grew up with. The one guy, he's going to kill me for saying this, but I remember <laughs> him in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> and this is one cool dude, let me tell you. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, he's a brilliant musician, Roger Bashu in Cape Town, and oh. uh, I hooked up with him. And two, uh, it was just by computer. Well, actually, my mo- my mother got sick, you know, and I went over there, mm. and I hadn't been over there in a very long time, and hadn't connected with South Africa for a very long time. And I bumped into him, complete and absolute fluke. Bump into him, go into the studio, find out that he's this monster musician and pro- uh-huh. producer, and rolled out ten tracks in a week. No way. We, we put a live band together, a completely yeah. live band, bass, drums, and, and guitar, and we uh-huh. put, and, and some, I don't know, we didn't have piano, it was all guitar, we decided to make an Oh, wow. Great. And we banged out like 10 grooves. You want me, you want me to be true. Oh, you want me, you want me to be true. One just wouldn't do came back to to LA and got uh-huh. it into it with Fuzby Morse who's a brilliant musician. Fuzby Morse, he was with yeah. Lou Reed and everybody else. Oh, right. Oh no, the guys played with everybody. And Steve Sykes who has produced everybody, but more and also sort of in the jazz half in the jazz world, mm-hmm. half in the yeah, he was with Mike Chapman for years. He was my okay. half mm-hmm. Mike Chapman. So yeah. all these monster musicians and it all happened by accident. That's crazy. And at my age you know, how does Do you go back happen? to South Africa very often? I go back when, whenever I can. I haven't been back in about eight. It's expensive, in about eight oh, months. Oh, I can imagine. Been back there. Yeah. 
but I, whenever I go there, you know, I've got family yeah. and friends, so I get treated really mm-hmm. well. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, in many ways, it's beautiful, but it's also tortured. There's a lot of stuff going on. Oh, there. I believe it. One of my good friends is from there, and he, he's married to one of my wife's best friends. They actually live down the street now. But mm-hmm. they go back once or twice a year, and they've got three little kids, and it's just, Oh, that's a you know, journey. Yeah. They, uh <laughs> And he's telling, he's always telling us about the culture and what's going on. And yeah, books. there's a lot anyway, of, yeah. yeah so it's it's, well, I mean, it's going to take a while. It's a, it is. It's like yeah. a, the rebirth of a new, new Definitely. land. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when I kick off these interviews, I ask the question that I want to end with first because I'm afraid I'm going to forget. And in your <laughs> case, I'm Uh-oh. really curious about now? the answer. No, 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 no. I'm really curious about <laughs> the answer to this because you're obviously a very spiritually minded person. Right, mm. I know that healing and helping other people heal through mm. the arts, and I'm guessing some homeopathic medicine mm-hmm, and every mm-hmm. anything else. That's very much your focus now. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, and I'm curious what Amanda today would say to the Amanda of Spider in 1980. Is, oh would you God. have any kind of you know what what would you say oh to that woman? Oh my God, do you have a week? No. <laughs> well, you can say it. You, I mean, just whatever. Well, what, know, what okay, kind of let me uh, let me put it in a nutshell. Let me put it yeah. in a nutshell, and because okay. I have to put it in a context. Okay. I mean, I was born in Cape Town, South Africa. No television until I was 18 years old, and that was my first trip mm. to London. Oh, in very insular, very you know, right wing in many ways, but also very left wing in many ways. Because wherever you have one thing, you got the opposite. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got, and, and I had a very educated family, like very you know, smart, educated, but traumatized family. You know, my mother mm-hmm. was like running in Europe from the from the Germans and all that kind of stuff. Oh boy. So you know, so there was a lot of you know trauma. It was right after the war, but it was also there was a lot of in South Africa. Everything was new, and it was. So I grew up in a real bubble, you know. So mm-hmm. then, I mean, fast forward to, to England where we went for the first band and we were in a band, a wonderful band. You know, in Cape Town, I was really introduced to, um, you know, to Neil Young. And, mm-hmm. I mean, those are my early years, you know, to Aretha Franklin was a major influence for me. Mm-hmm. And John Mayle was a major influence. And, mm-hmm. and Led Zeppelin and the band called The Flock. I don't know if you remember them. Anyway, so I got that oh. whole hippie thing, like huge dose, you know. Okay. And then uh-huh. we went to England and from Anton and Keith, who who came with me to England, we got the huge, like they were into like Frank Zappa and Miles Davis oh, and all, sure. and I got the huge like education. Those guys, mm-hmm. you know, educated me really musically mm-hmm. completely. So we got all of that, you know. But along with that was like this evolution of really not knowing what the hell was going on because I mean, after you're in Cape Town and you have this kind of insular thing, and you know, I was on the streets. I had some pretty heavy shit go down, and I was on Ooh. the streets at like 15. Oh, and, uh, you know, I related actually to more of the Africans on the street than I did uh, to my own family. So that okay. was where the Africans came in because I was living in a place where they were very good to me. They took care of me. Interesting. And and really took care of me, like lovely yeah. people, like good. really lovely people, heart-centered people. So I had that connection, you know. And so so then I come to New York, and I throw me fast forward into the middle of New York City. You can imagine, mm. I didn't know what was going on. Right. So right. I made a lot of mistakes. You know, mm. I didn't understand the culture. I didn't mm. understand what people meant. And, you know, to, can I be perfectly honest with you? Yes, please. That in Africa, this is my perception okay. and my experience. And I'm not saying it's everybody's, but in my, right. it's my experience. In Africa, 
when somebody told you something, it was pretty transparent. You hmm. kind of believed it, you know. You, it was cool to tell the truth in some ways when I was growing up. And when hmm. I came here, it's a different culture, right? It, you know, yeah. When I yeah. came here, the New Yorkers are not dishonest. I'm not saying hmm. that at all. Mm-hmm. But the whole style is different. It's kind yeah. of like, you know, guarded and yeah. intelligent and mm-hmm. psychological. And if you can't follow the game, you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, especially in New York. It's a tough place. <laughs> Right. So it was a huge culture shock. So what I would tell, yeah. you know, and this is honest, what I would tell that yeah. girl that was that young, I would say go find a mentor, go find somebody who really understands the culture. Let yourself receive some help. Because huh. I was you... really very independent. I didn't trust really? a lot of people. And, and I, sometimes I chose the wrong people to trust. I, I wasn't fully there, I'll tell you uh-huh. that. Did you require a lot of help? I mean, were you in? I mean, you mentioned I, we don't have to get too personal. I mean, this is a this is a podcast about rock and roll. But I mean, were you? <laughs> Good luck. You know, well, yeah, but I mean, this is interesting to me because you mentioned you know having kind of a rough go in your teen years and everything. By the yeah. time you got to New York and around the time you're starting Spider, late seventies, early eighties, did the trouble continue? Whatever that you don't have to be specific Let about me tell what you, it is. We had CBGBs. Kind of we had CBGBs down yeah. the road. Sure. We had Link Ray, who we hung out mm, with all yeah. the time. We had Kiss, who we hung out all the time. We had, yeah. you know, the Mud Club with, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So the, okay, so you took, It was a lot I mean, of trouble going on. Yes, okay, good. That's kind of what I was getting at. I mean, New York in the late 70s was the mecca. Uh, that was the, the end of my innocence. <laughs> okay, so you were, you were there and you were partaking. That's kind oh, of what I yeah. wanted to know. Very okay, much good, so. okay. Now, when were you married to Anton? I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be totally avoidant about it. But okay. the thing, you know, the thing that I want to be really honest about was, and I think this is true for everybody, okay. you know, these guys, Keith and Anton, I knew their families. We grew mm. up together. I was 8, 9, 10. I knew them. Mm. Interesting. Okay. I came from this total foreign country, and I came to new lands with no family, yeah. no friends, no nothing. Those guys were my rock. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we were very young. I was 19 yeah. when I married Keith. You mm. know, I was like 26 or 27 when I married Anton. What I don't happened? Think I knew you were married to Keith. Yeah. yeah. What happened oh. was is that, mm. you know, I married Keith, had a beautiful child, and we got separated. And then Anton was with Holly at that time. They got separated. Mm. Anton and I were both now separated at mm. a bar, Boy. telling our sob stories. And who, you know, your best friend in the whole world. Yeah. Suddenly your eyes open and go, oh, my God, you know, I love this guy. Yeah. And it's true. I love both of them deeply. Sure. And that's all I'm going to say about it. And oh, we have two wow. of the best children in yes. the whole world. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'd rather I, say something than nothing and have people's imagination go, you know, down no, the toilet. I, I mean, just what little you – so here's the deal. Most of the time, because I'm seeking out people that I love, where they're but they're more. I hope the word obscure doesn't bother you, but they're you no, know what I mean. They're not they're not as in the public eye anymore. No, you know I'm what I not. Mean? So there's not always a ton of information out there. So I'm right. kind of piecing together. I'm doing all this research, trying to piece together a story. The only part of the story that I found was was married to Anton Fig, and so I just assumed that. Was, we have you know, a long, of, like a long history of family. I can you know, tell. Family. I didn't know about the kids. And it's really, really love and family. I mean, and yes. music, of course. 
music. I mean, those guys taught me pretty much everything I know about mm. music until I was yeah. 25, 30, uh-huh. and I kind of I went on it. my own. And not only that, I mean, you know, both of them have such a history of music. Keith remembers yeah. everything. Sure. If you ask Keith about anything, he'll remember it. He's unbelievable, mm. and he's very, very deeply musical, incredible. Mm. And Anton is very deeply musical and has like a new, you know, a new, a new England conservatory honors mm. degree. Yeah, you yeah. Know, the, these guys are music giants. Well, so know? is Holly. And I didn't know... I guess I should have known. I didn't realize Anton and Holly either. So, you know, what's funny about this is that I've got, I, I have kind of a list of questions here just so I make sure that I hit well, some of the Well, don't get me into trouble, okay? No, 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 I'm not going. That's what I was <laughs> going to say is that I was going to ask, so what happened to Spider and why did they break up? And you saying this kind of, I can see why, you know, bands well, break no, up for all know, kinds of reasons. Well, really wasn't that really wasn't the reason because, you know, both Keith and you know, and Anton had, we, but we'd all broken up. Oh, okay. You know, it wasn't like it went into oh, directly into anything. Okay. We'd all broken up. That was very clear. And the main thing really was just uh, Michael, ja- uh, Michael Jackson. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Michael Chapman. <laughs> Chapman, got it. And Holly Knight got together in L.A. and made, yeah. you know, all those hit records. We are young. monster team and basically Holly left the band and went mm-hmm. to LA with Michael Chapman and they made yeah. monster records they did, um, yeah. you know pop pop rec, pop rock records whatever but of course. you know great yeah. records yeah. you know sure and she Legendary. went off on a completely different thing i haven't seen her in 25 30 years maybe mm-hmm. once so I really don't know much about okay. Holly at all these days. I've reached out to her a couple of times to be on the podcast, actually, but I haven't heard back. I've always been curious about her, too. Okay, well, that explains a lot then. So we got to talk about those heady days. I mean, like you were saying, not the bad side, oh, not man, the part no, that, you know, man. not that stuff. You're this beautiful front woman of a killer rock group during a very heady time in the music industry yeah, and in the amazing. culture. You've probably been asked this a million times, but what are some of those highlights, you know? I, I read somewhere about I, you went on tour opening for Alice Cooper. I don't know if that is yeah, viewed yeah, as, like, yeah. the, the pinnacle of your career, of that, oh, that period of fabulous. your career. That was okay. fabulous. I wish I'd been braver, you know, and knocked on mm. his door a couple of times, but he was great, and the and the crew was great. I mean, I I remember very, very clearly they terrorized me with the snake. That was, I mean, (laughs) emblazoned in my brain. But anyway, Uh, you know, it was incredible, incredible experience because literally I walked on with my high-heeled boots and everything. Sure. You know, kicking into Better Be Good to Me or something. Whispers in the night. I'm captured by your 
they was in a line of kids with black leather and chains going, we want Alice, like stomping <laughs> on the stage. Yes. And by the end of the show, we'd won him over. Most of the yeah. time we really did. By the end of the yeah. show, because Anton, you know, would just kick in and he's amazing live. He's yeah. incredible yeah. live. Yeah, yeah, he is. And Jimmy Lowell, too, is just wonderful with, with Anton. And yeah. Keith was playing guitar in those days because now he, you know, he plays bass a lot these days. Uh-huh. Um, and and then Holly was on keyboards, and the band was just really, you know, really wonderful. And cool. also, even with Bo Hill, when we moved into Shanghai, when we uh-huh. and after Holly left, and we got Bo Hill in the band, that also he, great live. But you Shanghai. know, a lot of politics got in the way with our band, yeah. hey? Like a lot sense. of industry politics. I mean, there were ma- oh, really? major things happening that none of us could control. People oh, dying, you know, this one oh. year dear guy when we first released our first spider record the main yeah. guy that um had a car crash and you know all these oh. weird things happened too so it wasn't and rick elliberti i love rick elliberti he was one of my favorites um, huh. he was he was working for bill coin at the time oh right and stephanie tudor she was also working for but i love her both of them okay. always remain good friends you know cool now we have to we have to talk about this because uh, oh. as I look up, as I'm Love you know researching guy. you, I see discovered by a kiss, mm. and of course I know that Anton is playing the Peter Chris role in those late 70s. Yes, yeah, um, to secrecy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not so much a secret now among Kiss I know, fans, I heard you know. That, and there's yeah. you probably, I mean, there's tons of Kiss-related podcasts and stuff out there, so it's uh, it's kind of more out in the i don't know that Gene and Paul want to talk about it but it is kind of more out in the open now you know we were with Ace mainly you know Ace was our guy uh-huh. Ace was our key guy into Kiss and okay. you know we we uh, Anton and I particularly would hang out with Ace you know for many years and mm. he was a very 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 lovely close friend him and his Good. Friend. And then the other, because I don't know much about Paul or Peter, I hardly know them at all. But the, oh. but the other great influence in my life was Gene Simmons, because Gene Simmons managed me. Mm. He took over after Spider and Shanghai had folded and everyone had mm-hmm. gone their own way. Gene Simmons walked in and really, really, really helped me. He's been wow. such a huge friend to me, man. Really? I haven't seen him lately, but he was good to me. He gave, you know, he kind of walked me through those difficult years where I had to make yeah. a transition between the band and and getting into my own like you know solo thing. Sure, sure. He was very instrumental, and then circumstances once again kind of interfered. We had a deal going on. I don't even remember what happened, but you know how it is in the music yeah. business and the film business. Yeah. These things fall through like really All quickly sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But All he was just a mensch, like a real, real friend. Cool. Those were really great days. Well, so, you know, the thing is, is that I kind of fell into it just by a lucky streak. Yeah. With, um, Ace hooking up with Anton, particularly, that was the main connection there. And yeah. then he really loved the band, and then he introduced the band to to Gene and Paul, and they pretty much helped us make the next step as well, you know. But, you That's know, incredible. one thing about Gene, and that is that Gene is, uh, you know, clean and sober guy, you know, and mm-hmm. these are the 80s. I know he's got this wild and crazy reputation, but the one thing about Gene with me was that he really took me seriously as an artist. Really? Oh, that was like the main thing. That was why I was so enthusiastic about him, because being a chick in the world in the the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, 
you know, I don't think I don't get in this kind of malicious thing against women or anything like that. Sure, but, sure. But it was just m- predominantly a male world, and Jean Jean was very famous in that male world. <laughs> so what he, what made him such a good manager? I mean, aside from because wasn't this you? I think you had mentioned this was about around the time when you really kind of got more into the healing focus, I believe. Well, no, this was beforehand. This was kind of oh, was end. it? Okay. Yeah, this was. This was after Blue Fig because when we when Shanghai didn't work out and mm-hmm. everyone went their separate ways, which you know different contracts, different prospects. Right. I mean, basically everybody in the band all the way long, all the way through from the beginning of Spider, we were all in our early, early, early twenties, yeah. and everyone was ambitious and everyone was aiming for the stars, you know. So we were young, and there was a lot of lot going on, and it was mm-hmm. a very exciting time, actually. Yeah. And yeah. Gene was a very important part of that because he was sure. right in the center of a lot of that stuff, and totally. he really understood that whole scene. He really did. I mean, he really understood Good. that whole uh, New York, Queens, downtown rock sure. thing. It was great. Yeah. And in those days, that was its that was just the greatest. I mean, it had yeah. such a vibe and so such much a going on. So much yeah. great music coming from there too. Yeah. And oh, good. So, Did he help you know, kind of navigate you through it and offer sure. advice? And okay, like what? Yeah. I'm curious. Well, you know, uh, what he did was after Shanghai kind of folded and we were sort of going into the next stage, and and Anton and I got together and put t- together Blue Fig, which we did that mm-hmm. album on, which was those, you know, those uh, mm-hmm. um, '80s first home studio demos kind of thing. Right. I saved everything, so I saved all the tapes, all of the stuff, all the cassettes, all of the, you know, and and uh, as the years have gone on, I've transposed them into CDs and into uh, right. and MP3s and everything. It's quite a job, actually. You think it's, about I know. It's a great the, album, though. The, time, the span of time that has gone, like, we've seen the full change, like, sure. before, and going through all these things. Pretty much the same time that Anton were doing the demos, Gene came along and said, look, you know, he really believes in me and he would really love to see me do something solo. Mm. And so he pursued that and uh, and it was, he was wonderful and really... Good. Yeah, and really supportive and and that's the thing about him is that in those days there was nothing, he was supportive as an artist only in those yeah. days. Yeah, okay. Was he working? So I've, got no, I've got no crazy gossip for you. <laughs> no, that's great. That's fine. I mean, I'm just I'm imagining what you know. People love Gene, or they don't, or he's a he's an interesting person, compelling one way or well, the he's other. Brilliant so, in many yeah, ways. Yeah, sure. And, and he's sm- you know he's just really smart. He knows he knows the thing. And you know, yeah, there's a couple of stuff, especially with women, that you know, yeah. there's a couple of stuff that in the history. But let me tell you something. For me, this was a stand-up guy. A lot of people vouch for that. Was this around the same time that he was working with Wendy O. Williams from the Plasmatics? You know, it's so strange that you bring her up. I thought about her the other day. Really? Yeah, it was. So, okay, and so he was, was working with her. this is another artist that I think he really yeah. supported. Yeah. And she she went down a tragic road. They, she sure did. Yeah. And they did a lot of work on that solo album of hers. Wow. Yeah, man. She that was, was so great. good, and she was uh, great. I know it's tragic. And he, you see, this is the thing. Like he really supported her as well artistically. And you put out some solo albums, I think. Well, now, they were, were very they, expensive demos. Let me put it. Back. Were they really? Because that's. I was listening <laughs> to them on your website, and 
they but they're not readily accessible. I mean, they're not on Spotify or iTunes, I, I don't believe, or anything. But he was the one kind of guiding you through that portion of your career? Well, no. Actually, I was just writing songs and recording oh. them with a producer um, called Godfrey Nelson in New York. And I just, what I was doing is that I was, I went to a Co-Energetics Institute to study healing work. Mm. And I was recording on the side because I couldn't, I, I never stopped recording music. So I would make all these albums on the side. But the main thing that I was doing was uh, was studying the healing work, which was coinogenic, okay. and then it, uh-huh. that turned into radical aliveness in L.A., and uh, and then it turned into um, this, uh, this point holding work that I do called psychoneuro okay. uh, energetics, and that's incredibly interesting stuff. They, wow! I mean, I I think the forefront of healing work in the body, where you associate feelings of anger. Feelings of you know passion, feelings of all of, you know all the feelings that once you become in contact with your feeling body, not just your thinking mind, but mm-hmm. your feeling body, you can cure illnesses in the body because a lot of illnesses are caused mm. by holding negative feelings. Yeah, yeah, I've and heard that. there's you know really there's a whole science about it that's coming up now that I'm so into. I'm so yeah. into. and yeah. music is part of that. Music is part of releasing. Sure. That uh, those negative patterns in the body, you know, yeah. all kinds of music can do that. Yeah, so, that's true. But I'm not there yet. I, I'm not old enough to go completely to the therapy side. I still want to have some fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, fascinating. Okay, your relationship with Ace goes way back, oh, and yeah. obviously, you know, Anton and Anton was was the relationship with Ace pre, and maybe you don't even want to say pre Anton playing with Kiss. Did it go back that far, or was oh, that yeah, where no, yeah, they were they've been friends, friends for donkey's years? Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. They are very okay. good friends, incredibly okay. good friends. Well, I figured they were still, but I didn't know, like, if, if I didn't know where that. I was trying to figure out when that friendship sort of began. Yeah. So you're okay. So uh, the, let me. Okay. So, well, I mean, it, it obviously began after we got to New York, and we got to New York in '77. So okay, I would say I, okay. my guess would be the first person that we really hooked up with was Link Ray. Yeah, and okay. Link Ray is a legend. And yeah, he, he sure is. And he, and he, you know, he was also like a huge teacher to Keith and Anton and to me. I remember we did a couple of live gigs um, with him on guitar. I don't, I will never forget it as long as I live. That oh, guy was just wow. magic, man. Magic. Interesting. And Paul Butterfield, the same mm. time, Chris Spedding. Robert Gordon. Well, how oh, oh, the like rockabilly <laughs> Robert oh, Gordon. Oh, yeah, man. Anton oh, played for years at the Lone Star downtown. Yeah, we did it for years, and even Jacob Astorius oh, so. would pop in yeah. the Lone Star. Oh, wow! And, I mean, we, those were the days. They man. were the days. Listen you to know? this. Oh, oh man! God, it was so. You good. know, like so and many CBGB's people are jealous. Are so good. Yes. The Clash. Yes. Oh, don't get me started on CBGBs. I'll lose it. That's that's like my sweet spot. So now, so let me ask. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Uh, television, Blondie. So did Kiss? Am I right that did they discover you, or were you yes. guys? Did they help Gina you get Paul, a deal? I, well, no, no, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. I better be careful here. Oh. Uh, Ace definitely had a huge hand in taking the band to uh, introducing us to Gene and Paul. And okay. then I remember also Gene and Paul coming to one of those Spider concerts and really lo- loving it. 
So they yeah. obviously were on board. So okay, I think great. they all kind of had a hand in it because their, our first manager was their manager, Bill Coin. Mm-hmm. Bill Coin, right. And Billy Idol was on the same bill with us. Oh, uh, yeah. Really? And oh, he was beautiful, and and well, he still is. But in those days, yeah. he, it was just magic, and yeah, magic. Yeah, love Billy um, Idol. Yeah, and so you know, uh, uh, it was all one family kind of. All, everything was connected. Yeah. Okay. Now it makes sense. So, do you have any? I mean, can you tell us some stories? They, I mean, within you know, <laughs> with stories, with something you know, I'm sure you've got a million of them. But is there one or two that you could share? <laughs> I'm, I might get into trouble. Oh, okay. Well, if you're not, you don't have to. <laughs> but there actually is is one. I hope I don't get into trouble. But it's something that's blazoned in my brain, and I'll never forget. Okay. Oh, good, good, good. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> we were recording at the Hit Factory. We were making our second record, I think. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now the the Shanghai record, I think. I can't remember. Keith oh, has the memory. Okay. Keith has okay. the memory. And Ace paid us a visit. <laughs> uh huh. And he. And at one point, there was one hell of a commotion, and we didn't know what the hell was going on. And we came running out of the studio, and he had shot four bullets into the ceiling of the head factory. Really? Ace did? <laughs> oh, my gosh. But in those you days, you know, like I don't want to get into I don't want to get into trouble, because in those days, it was so nonviolent. It was just like right. he was this fabulous, like, reckless guy who would just do yeah. whatever the hell he wanted. And there was a certain freedom in that that I just loved. Yeah. Yeah. And a certain bravery, you know, because he yeah. was definitely confined to the corporate structure. There's no right. doubt about it. Yes. And he had yes. this great spirit, you know. So he probably thought it was hilarious. I hope I don't too. get into trouble telling that story. I don't think so. I can, I'm imagining the ace that I've seen in those interviews from back then. He's a and lovely that guy. Cackle, that laugh. And him thinking thing. that shooting bullets... <laughs> into the ceiling at the hit factory is hilarious, and him laughing after he's done. He was laughing time. like you wouldn't believe, and yeah, he's got that great it. laugh. So did Bill Coin manage you guys until mm-hmm. the breakup of Shanghai, and then Gene sort of take over from there? No. Oh. Um, no. Uh, let me. Oh my God. Let me remember this. I think Bill Coin. Yeah, I think Bill Coin did last all the way through Shanghai to the okay. end. But when Shanghai broke up. Uh, I had like at least a couple of years. When, that's when I started getting really interested in the healing work and stuff. Mm, that's what um, I wondered. Okay. Yeah, because I needed healing after that. Yeah, I tell I bet. You. So, I bet. <laughs> so um, uh, Anton and I started writing together, and we had this album that's out there now called Blue Fig. Into the black.
I, I didn't know about four. it. It's yes, I found um, there's some songs on YouTube, and I really yes. like what I've heard. And so well, I'm going to go we make sure to buy that because I really like it. We, uh, really? we did that on an eight track when the first Home Studios came out in the early 80s. Yeah. We started recording that stuff, and that was literally eight tracks and really primitive. And Anton, particularly, who has got a real gift for. Sure. For instrumentals, I mean, from his new, you know, new, New England um, mm-hmm. conservatory degree, he's right. got real understanding of composition and stuff. And interestingly enough, so has our son Austin Fig. And oh, Austin, interesting. Austin Fig is a hip hop producer, and he has the same gift, I think, in some ways that Anton uh-huh. does, of layering certain sequences of sure. rhythms. Yeah. You know, Anton's a genius, not only as a drummer, but he's a genius right. at laying certain sequences of rhythms on top of each other. Oh, I bet. And That's he played great. and he also played great chords. He understands chord structure and all of that stuff. So he put together yeah. some beautiful pieces and then I would go in and go in with the lyric and the melodies and we wrote oh, a whole batch of stuff. And yeah. then I, you know, and then years later I saw it lying around and I'm like, you know what? Here's the internet and here's Facebook yeah. and here's yeah. TuneCore and here's mm-hmm. CD Baby. I can put this shit all together and put it on yeah. the air, and that's exactly what I did. Good. It's really good stuff. I mean, I like, I've liked everything I've heard from that 80s period especially. It's Spider, Shanghai, the blue fake stuff. It's really solid. And this is a common theme that comes up in this podcast is that, again, I, because I'm talking to more to sort of people who are a little on, more on the obscure side, their stuff sounds just as good, if not better, than what is massively popular at the time and yet, for whatever reason, some other band is reaping yes. all the benefits, and Spider yes. or Shanghai or whatever, yes. which sounds just as good, is viewed as like second class, or they're yes. not getting you as know, much You know, that attention. has been kind of the source of a lot of my like, you know, negative stuff that I've worked through. By the I way, bet. really, I've worked through a lot of it. But you know, for me, I think also like as a teenager, if you're a, rebe- a rebellious teenager and you're into all this revolution stuff when you're young, I'm not mm-hmm. into it anymore, by the way. But anyway. <laughs> In those days, when we're you young, know, yeah. a lot of people die in revolution. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but the thing, you know, it's a it's a it's a, a very important thing to explore and to grow and develop and kind of grow out of, and then you know find your own musical track. And music is more important to me than you know a mask, wearing a pretense mm-hmm. mask of entertainment mm-hmm. or putting it. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Right. You know, because there's a tremendous, there's a separation sure. between Broadway and what I do. Yeah, or show business and what you right. right. Like you're I didn't kind of coming at it, it from the heart. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't it. grow up with it. I grew up with the yeah. sing the music that 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 completely like makes you makes you get chills. You know, mm-hmm. do the music mm-hmm. that. That changes your life. Do the music that mm-hmm. you'll never forget. You know, that's kind of the stuff I I strive for. I believe and it. And it's naive in this day and age. Well, but it's, no. It's what sustains me. That's I mean, your integrity, though. I mean, if you can stand behind all all your creations, and I mean, we're focusing on music. Your website shows you've got a million other things going on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all of it comes from a very sincere space inside of wanting to connect with integrity. With you're sharing pieces of your soul here, and you want people to know you're being sincere. Right. I, I completely believe that's obvious about you. Uh, well, I'm um, an artist, and I'm a mystic. Yeah, Those are the two true. things yes. that I am. Very true. Yeah. Uh, but it's not very you know popular in this day and age in the sense that it's not something I can aim for mainstream pop stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I, so it does kind of make it sometimes complicated for me to find. I believe it. You know that. I believe um, it. Identity track. I can imagine. And as an artist and wanting to connect and wanting to be heard and wanting to share, it's difficult to rise above the rest of the noise out there. You know, are oh, my fans and, going and to listen? And more now than and, ever. Oh, absolutely. I and and, and also for some of my greatest musician friends, I mean, like yeah. in my band right now, Fuzby Morse and Steve Sykes, you know, Chad Wilson and Phil Jones, who are amazing musicians, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. such a flood on the market of, you know, other stuff and electronic stuff and other stuff yeah. that it, it's really hard for these guys to, I think, in my opinion, to kind of get the space that they deserve. The market yeah, is flooded. I can imagine. It is. It really is. It's everywhere. <laughs> But yeah, I I listen to those Spider albums in Shanghai and stuff like that, and I just think this is just as good as what else is out there. I don't, do you remember the band Toronto? They had a lead yeah. singer named Holly Woods. Yeah, I do. Holly, it was either on a solo album or a Toronto album, did a version of New Romance. Right around the same time as you. I mean, just a couple of years later. Yes, same kind I of remember thing. that. She's been on the. I interviewed her for the podcast too. And, oh, cool. Um, yeah, same kind of thing. Putting out music that's just as good as what else is out there, but for whatever reason, it it doesn't get shown as much. Right. You know, I. It's like the unknown sh- soldier. You know. I yes, mean, you know how exactly. many people have. You know how many people have dropped by the wayside. And the thing I think for yeah. me is the hardest thing to overcome is actually it's it's, it's very often not based on talent. Like there's something mm. else. Mm-hmm. It's not about that the, the person isn't talented, but there's a certain yeah. other thing that happens yeah. that doesn't have to do with music. Yeah, necessarily. Very true. So, and that's been a common thread again as well. I'm usually a lot of these people that I talk to, the bands come to an end, or their second record flops, or their mm-hmm. second single flops, or whatever, and it's almost always because of some political machination within the label. It's not right, something exactly. that the band is doing wrong. Yes, and they are the victims thing. of this. Right. And like you were saying, all those crazy things happening to you with people dying and everything, that's yeah. out of your control. And it it impacts your career and your legacy for the rest of your life. Whereas you know, the music, I want to tell you, you know, something very, record label very... continues on. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I want to, I want to tell you something very interesting. One of my really good uh, spiritual teachers, Jean Houston, she said, when you start to hit the numbers, you know, meaning when your energy hits like a target and you start to get success or you start to get something like, you know, it starts to move or something starts to happen, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the spooks show up. And it's really true when you think about it. 
And some people can kind of pull out their swords and they can fight the spooks better than other people. And in a way, it's almost those that survive. It's the killer ones. It's the one, it's, you know, I mean, that's a kind of a harsh thing to say, but it's sort of yeah. true unless there's a miracle like the Beatles or something, you know. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. But yeah. a lot of people have to pretty much claw their way to the top. They really do. It's true. It's difficult. And in this country, no joke. Why it happens. You're up yeah. with some pretty, like, fierce people, you know. So I got a couple questions again about the early days, and we I want to hear more about what happened afterwards. Number one, is Shanghai basically spider without Holly? Yes. have to change the name or was it just fresh start fresh band let's you know if i different. remember correctly at the time there was some other band called spider in england that was uh, sort of starting to take true. off there's a couple and of i think them. our there's manager suggested at the time yeah, yeah. Okay. i think our manager suggested at the time to change the name it's really killer rock and roll when you were i mean you talked about being wanting to be a musician for a long time when you were growing mm -hmm. up is that kind of hard rock what you were is that what you wanted to sing at that time or were you kind of that's where the band was going were you happy with your output because your music now sounds very different you know i know and you know it's a different time you know i was 20 yeah it was it i was, was 20, 20 25 okay. i can't yeah. put out that kind of energy today like the way yeah. i used to it's, yeah. you know you get mellow as you get older some yeah. of us right <laughs> maybe right. not pete townsend but me uh -huh. but also i had access I had access to a hell of a lot more equipment and mm. studio time and, you know, uh, people kind of, uh, the whole the whole energy at that time, uh, we, we needed a full stage of equipment to create that sound. Yeah, I believe that it. That costs a freaking fortune today. I believe it. Oh, I believe it. Sure. How the hell can you do that today? It's like, yeah. You know, I mean, you pay yeah. $10,000 in two days it's, totally. and you can do that. I mean, well, we, could find, we could find rehearsal studios, we could find equipment, we could find roadies, and it was yeah. easy. And probably, you know, the 20-year-olds today can do the same thing, but, you know. Right. I would yeah. love to, I would love to. I mean, with the band that i got now, with Steve mm. Sykes and Fuzby yeah. and Chad and Phil, those guys are rockers. Past life burning, scent of opium and dreams. See you standing in the doorways, guiding us through worlds unseen. Your grace is all around me, your kindness like a shield. Golden light protects and guides me when I lift your brightness in. 
We did a gig in Topanga uh, last year that went really oh, well. Good. Okay. Uh, we did a live gig, so you know that kind of thing. Yeah, really I've been watching a lot of the YouTube videos. It's great stuff. It's bluesier. Your voice is huskier. The marriage of the two just—it's perfect. And it's live, probably, it's, it's probably where you are. Yeah, I believe it. Live, it's much it. more, you know, yeah. much more intense than it is on that. Yeah. One more question about the old days, and this is—I read in another interview, I believe, that you were saying that there was often competition among all of you in the band yeah. to write the best song and yeah. that kind or of thing. Or to write, and, period. Everyone wanted well, to write Well, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Oh, really? That's, you know, I was looking over the credits of the Spider albums, and they're pretty evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. Did you know, I mean... That was on purpose. I think I, that was on purpose? Oh, totally. Oh, good. Okay, well, a lot of bands don't do that, as you know. I know, it was a that's democratic smart. band. You know, obviously, Holly has gone on to be like, Hall of Famer in terms Absolutely. of songwriting. You know, it's interesting though, Better Be Good to Me sounds like an iconic song when you sing it. Oh, Change, the John Waite hit. His version sounds like the iconic. I mean, your your version is great. I, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, that no, he you did a great version. I agree with you. He, that song is so good. I guess what I'm asking is, did you know then? Did you have an inkling that Holly would go on to be the you know Love Is a Battlefield oh, yeah. and the Warrior? And, I didn't know that 
to say, but I knew that she was going places because she was very. I mean, there was. It was very clear she was going okay. places. Yeah, really. Uh, and she didn't have a lot of confidence about her writing at the beginning, but we all encouraged her, you know, because she's good and she deserved yeah. to be encouraged. But you know, when, she was very serious about what she was doing and very serious about her career. It, it's not. I'm not surprised at all. It's all good, is what I'm saying. Those Spider albums, I wouldn't say the Holly Knight tracks you know, our head, heads and shoulders above what else is out there. Everyone's got a talent, but... Yeah, she I must, think that we, you know, a... I think we created a sound that was really unique. And, and you know, Holly's stuff is good, absolutely. But my, to be honest with you, my absolute favorite of all songs is a song Keith wrote called Between the Lines. That's one oh, of my really? favorite songs. That's one a great one. Right up there. And also another one is Zero. what the band was originally about we were much more about that kind of thing than going mainstream uh, but the mainstream stuff served us very well when it came to the media and it came to being yeah, recognized yeah, yeah well it's radio friendly zero yeah. is a little rockier you know it's it's, I'm uh, cool. I'm it's not as obviously for the intense stuff yeah oh I are you really stuff. Yeah. yeah zero is a great song i also really i didn't even know about shanghai until researching you I went and bought that immediately. That is great. I love all of my tears.
that is a oh, that's, really so that's funky Anton. Song. That's a mainly Anton's writing, and he's is it really? Also, yeah, yeah, it's so yeah. funky. I really yeah, love it. Yeah, really funky. Okay, oh, I'm so glad then, you liked it. And talk to me, you know, Fiona did that for also. She made she did a version of that. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Man, Fiona was great back then, too. I yeah, very cool. Where'd you go? You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, you basically <laughs> stepped away. Right? I, I know there's well, there's a bunch of other stuff. There's like Native Land is in there in the early right. 90s. We look for shelter in the buildings when the That was a band I was in in, my, in the early 90s. It was an African band out of L.A. And that was also just for, it, it didn't last very long. But, you know, I've got an album of that, all of that material, and I wish I could I could actually uh, release it, and I'm, and hopefully I will one day. I but saw you, know, you say that on YouTube, and I thought, man, we got to get our hands on that. I've that got song tons is of great. Stuff, I know, and I've got tons of stuff from that stuff. But, you know, once again, it's all those contracts and all those things yeah. and all the details yeah. that everybody, you know, uh, has to get in on and it gets to be yeah. really complicated. But I have this ton, a ton of material that I've been – I'm a studio artist mainly now. I've okay. worked with wonderful musicians. I try to get out and do a couple of live gigs, especially in L.A. because uh-huh. – uh, but it's so expensive. But I try and do as much – and we have a nice big house, so we do have concerts, and that's cool too. And cool. it's really just about carving out music and doing it in the most authentic way, following like the great musicians that come in front of you, and I have a few right now that are fabulous. Good, and, good. you know, I don't have any wild, you know, big uh, statements and expectations. I just think 
I've had a wonderful, wonderful musical life and a creative life. I'm a poet, mm-hmm. and I'm, a, you know, I'm also a photographer, and I'm going to put a book together. And I right. think, it's, you know, the creativity in my life keeps me alive and keeps me excited, and Good. as well as my children and my grandchildren. Oh, That's okay. where my heart is at, you know, Good. Really, honestly. Good. And my husband is lovely. Good. Now, go. uh, I hope this isn't too personal. How long have you been married? Fourteen years now. Fourteen years. Great. Mm. Okay. And he's and a you, wonderful uh, man. Good. I'm so glad. Does your art today, all, all of it, the poetry, the photography, the books, the healing, I mean, we have. I want to know a little bit more about that too, but do you pay your bills, so to speak, through that, or is it mostly a, kind of a, an outgoing expression without, you know, it's not for, well, you're you not going to make a lot of money off it, it's more It's just always been a mishmash for me, you know, at different stages in my life, I've been able to pull money together from different sources. You know, I'm blessed in the sense that I've always been in partnerships i've always had help i haven't Good. had to do it on my own and and that's you know a great thing and now that i am in my 60s a parent died and i inherited some money so mm. if i'm very very careful okay. uh, i'll be able to you know at least survive until the rest of my life great. you know those kinds of things have helped me yeah and uh, and i wish other people had that because it just makes life especially Sure. Every artist that I've ever known, honestly, you know, most of them really, it's the 1% that hit the jackpot. Most yeah, of the it really others, is. Oh, totally. It really is, you know. I mean, yeah, it's the same yeah. situation as Wall Street in music. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have completely lost touch with the fact that artists need to be supported in some way in order to be mm-hmm. real artists. Mm-hmm. And the only ones that can are the ones that get help. Yeah. Most, most of them don't get the checks, you know. Yeah, yeah Most of them don't. do it because of the love sure. in their heart for art. Yeah. And we need yeah. more of that. Let me tell no, you. so tell me about the healing. Tell me, I mean, I, that's what I, that's a kind of a blanket term I'm using to define all the mystical things that you're into. But it sounded like an interest in that started in the mid '80s, maybe. So what? It started what is after it? my second divorce. You know, okay. I was at the lowest okay. in my life, and okay. uh, and I, you know, and the music hadn't worked out the way that I thought it would, and. My relationships and my friendships were not what I thought they were. And it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. It was the usual kind of stuff that you go through. And I've taken full responsibility for my part in things, and believe me, I had a big part. You yeah. know, uh, it's life. Yeah, it and, is. You know, but, but what happened is sometimes I think, honestly, that when people hit the bottom like that, they put on a mask and they just do whatever they can to survive. I didn't mm-hmm. want to do that. I really wanted to look at my shit. And it was a perfect time, 45, getting older. Mm-hmm. Got to look at my shit, face who I am, and be real mm. about the things that I can do and the things that I can't do, the friendships that are good and the friendships that aren't. Having mm-hmm. like the real courage to sort out my life and get like grown up. You know, basically that's what it was. And I chose to do that rather than to try and, uh, you know, become a rock star again. And that's probably been very fulfilling for you. It was incredible. I met the most, two of the most amazing teachers I ever could have in my life. One of them was actually a a, a true story, the godfather to Prince William and Prince Henry. Oh, really? Yeah, like a major guy. Sir Lawrence van der Post became my best friend. Wow. And he was in his 90s, and I met him through another family member, and uh, he helped me through the crisis. It was a miracle to have someone wow. like that. Wow, great. A miracle. Okay, good. So I got good. this amazing, amazing thing. And then when I discovered the Internet in 2007, I decided to put together a rock band again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Cool. Well, that you know that takes care kind of that of this, part of your of your kind personality, of weird, right? right? <laughs> no, never. I mean, we've all got 61. lots of things. <laughs> well, but no, we. I mean, but yeah, but you have a pedigree. I mean, you're. I mean, <laughs> Thank maybe you. you're. Well, you do. I mean, you're the you're the lead singer of Spider and Shanghai and Anton and uh, Blue Fig and all you know all this. You've got stuff out there. You're Thank not a nobody. You. you might be obscure, but you're not you're not a stranger. You know what Thank I mean? Thank you. No, that's yeah. great. That's great. I wouldn't yeah. mind a seat at the table somewhere. Yeah, it would be nice. I know what you it need. It would be nice. I know what you need. But your new music sounds Can heavily influenced. Yes, please. Amanda Blue Live. I can hear her singing in the darkest night. I can see her wings in the morning light. I can hear her voice loving words in my ear. Don't bring her to me. I want her near. CD Baby, iTunes, and Amazon. Yep. So, and you won't be disappointed. You yeah. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you like that one better than Season of Love? Yes. Well, no, do you no. Really? Not really. I mean, huh. Season of Love, it's weird, but Season of Love, the whole release of that got screwed up. It's now not available, and I have to re-release it. I'm going to do that this year because the oh. whole thing got messed up. I didn't fill out the forms properly in the whole thing. Oh, no. It was a nightmare. nightmare. I've been listening to it on Spotify. Stay by my side Oh, step aside The hurt and the pride Following, following love Some things never change Part of us still remains the same Step aside the hurt and the shame Both of them are actually. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, in fact, I was going to tell you. I mean, again, it That's seems very. That's a great record. I love that record. Oh, I do too. Yeah, it's very clearly uh, influenced by Eastern philosophy because I was noticing that a lot of the songs are almost chants, or at least well, they it's are. Africa. Influenced. I made that whole record in is Africa. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. got it. Okay. I made the whole yeah. record in Africa, and they're all Africans on that record. You know. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Roger Bashu and Paul Tizard on drums, and Johnny uh, Blandell on guitar. He's lovely on guitar, and cool. and Paul is great on drums. They're all great. They're great. Good. I had a great Good. rhythm section. I've been blessed with the best rhythm sections in the world. Yeah, well, I can tell. <laughs> Jeez, no kidding. 
<laughs> okay. So I got to ask you one thing, Jim Headley, the listener who asked me to make sure that I yeah, tracked you down. Thank uh, some you. of his, for sure, yeah. Some of his questions I incorporated into our conversation, but there was one in particular that he mentioned he wanted me to ask, yeah. and he asked, "How much liberty did you have when someone else was writing the songs that you were singing?" I didn't have a lot of confidence in those days. Really? You know, when I tell you about how how difficult it was for me to adapt to the culture, to know what was going on. Yeah. It really eroded my confidence. I didn't have a lot of confidence. I have way more now to speak up than I did then. But not even in your voice. Your voice is incredible. Were you not even confident in your voice? I was at times, but I really wasn't a confident person, to be honest. I'm being huh. honest with you. Yeah. I needed I needed somebody, you know, this is what I said right at the beginning, which I wish I had a mentor. Yeah. You know, who had been by my side and told mm. me and really understood me. But that's wishful thinking. Yeah. And really understood yeah. me and really said, Amanda, this is how the culture works. Make that decision. This is how yeah. this works. Make that. Mm. I didn't have, you know, in the dream world, uh, the fairyland, I didn't have mm. the the guy or the one right. who really right. mentored me. I never had huh. that. Interesting. And honestly, I think that was really probably one of my biggest difficulties was not having that. Because you, you have to learn from somebody. How the hell are you yeah. going to find out on well, your own? I know. I mean, you find out on your own, but then you figure it out 20 years later. Yeah. I'm talking it's about over. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm completely with you. <laughs> Two last questions. And these are, people, these are things that I ask almost everyone I talk to. I mm-hmm. want to know what your greatest memory is. The thing that when you just that look back on your career, you can't believe happened to you. Maybe it was meeting a famous person. Maybe it was a particular concert that went well, like the Alice Cooper thing, hearing yourself on the radio. Maybe it was discovering healing and going completely the other way and loving it over there. And then I want to know what your biggest regret would be. Well, I'd have to say that the biggest joy, that, and, and I can't specifically point it to one event, but I must say, that the greatest joy is being in a band that's fucking hitting the the sweet spot. Mm, yeah. You know, when that yeah. band and is roaring, like I love roaring bands. You uh-huh, know. Uh-huh. I prefer it over the gentler stuff, although the gentler stuff is wonderful. But I, yeah. I, I'm talking about when you get into that like intense like rock, mm-hmm. funk, mm-hmm. blues energy, and you're just soaring. Yeah. There's nothing like that. So that I would say is the... Is the is number one. The re- biggest regret I would say is not having the confidence I wish I had in my twenties. Yeah, yeah. And that really came from you know a lot of disruption and trauma in my younger mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And I think honestly it is a disadvantage. I don't care what people say. You know there are a lot of people that overcome disadvantages, but when you have a real real disadvantage at the beginning at the tender age, mm-hmm. it affects you for the rest of your life. And yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's the real part about it. It is real. Yeah, so it it's so it's important to have people that support you. It's important to make good choices totally. with people around you because you can yeah. get really like screwed. And I I survived, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So that would be my honest answer. Okay, going back to the first answer about kind of playing in in the pocket. I I always think of it as playing in the pocket when it's just hitting on all cylinders. Was there one moment above all moments? Maybe it's a new one. Maybe it's an old one. Maybe it's even the studio or people sitting around. Can you? Is there a a pinnacle of that experience that, that leaps to mind above all else? Uh, it really would have to personally? be with my new band. I mean, we really? did rehearsal. Okay. Yeah, we did Good. rehearsal at this place in L.A. 
and Phil Jones on drums and Chad Wilson. I don't know if you Chad Watson. I don't know if you know those guys. I don't. I'll um, have to look And Fuzby and Steve Sykes. Uh, I mean, it was unbelievable. Great, great. Okay, so you're yeah, feeling those. It, you're getting those highs even best. now. It yeah. was the okay, best good. of the best. I'm, I have tremendous gratitude for this new band. I really do. Good. Okay. And, and and they're not on the record actually because the Amanda Blue Live is you know the band from South Africa with Fuzzy okay. and stuff. Uh-huh. But they they kick ass just as good, if not good. even like good. to a new level. Do you play concerts locally? What do you how yeah. do you how often do you get out there? Okay, well, good. Well, I'm going to try now because we did one gig in the, um, August last year and it was the hottest day of the year. <laughs> Oh, oh man, that can't be. And easy. and we got 250 people down there. Oh, excellent! Okay, great, <laughs> great. Okay. And it was at the Topanga Community Club. Great. Oh, now, and we those... had the Shakespeare Company down the road screaming at us and threatening to sue us for the noise we were making. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Do you think those 250 people are they kind of ex- are they uh, discovering you now, or do you yes. think there's some of them are holdovers from Spider and Shanghai a days? A few, very They're few, curious. but there are some. Like you know, there are some yeah. that I see from the past that are lovely people that I love that come and pop in. But okay. um, a lot of them are new. A lot of them okay. are you cool. know, from the new record and the new musicians cool. and everything. Did you meet any heroes back in the day? Did you rub shoulders with uh, you know some? Did you get to meet it? I know you were a huge Michael Jackson fan. I read that. Yes, before. I didn't actually get to meet him, but I wore okay. his glove at the same time as him. I had one glove on the same time that he did. But <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not claiming anything on that one, but right. it did okay. happen. Okay, uh, okay. Bob Dylan, I would say Bob Dylan is one of like my biggest, you know, heroes that I met. Really? Did you meet him? Yeah, a few times. Oh, he's killer. You know, he's my like He's your I, guy. Mean, I think the guy is so freaking great. Yeah. Yeah. In every way, such a genius and such an artist and such a yeah. scholar. He's a great scholar too. Yeah. I, admire, I admire a lot of stuff about him, and I also yeah. admire his humility. Even though people make such fun of him and they and they give him such a hard time, the guy's like I think in many ways very respectful and humble. He is. I like yeah, it. you're right. Good. And then okay. you know Mick Jagger who tried to fondle me. I bet he did. <laughs> oh, as soon as you said Mick Jagger, I thought, oh, I have a feeling. Many, many, okay. many years ago. <laughs> yes, of course he did. And George oh, Harrison, who oh, I bet you probably got that a smile. lot back in the day. Yeah, you probably lovely. got that a lot. Okay, great, and, awesome. And and Noel Redding, who was in my band in in New York in the early nineties, Noel oh, Redding was one of my closest friends. I didn't. That, I, I'm forgetting that, to stay. Good. And he was, you know, he played. We played for hours together, and and. Yeah, he was close, close for, for before he died, and okay. when he died, it was heartbreaking. But he no, was a band member for many years in New York. Great, I met, I forgot that Jim Headley, the same listener, asked me to ask you about Noel Redding too. Yeah, so good, man, okay. and Noel was a fabulous guy, and in many, many ways, I can relate to him because he also, it wasn't a lack of confidence, but he had a humility about him. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't a killer. Yeah. He didn't go after things like making sure he got all the money and all the percentages. He wasn't that yeah. guy. Yeah. And I remember him telling me a story that he sat in the club one night, late at night, and literally like got completely tricked into signing all the Jimi Hendrix material away yeah, I heard by some that. guy who walked in with a contract in the middle of the yeah. night, and he'd had a couple of drinks or whatever, and he signed it. And that happened, man. Yeah, that I've happened. Heard it. Yeah. And they went through with it. They went through with it like real uh, serious. 
Yeah. Real serious. Oh, can you imagine? He deserves so much better than that. He really did, you know. Musician. But, you know, it's also like, you know, don't confuse kindness for stupidity. Yeah, there are a lot right. of people that were screwed that didn't deserve it, you know. Yeah, yeah, so true, so true. Well, look, I'm really glad you talked to me. I think you're great, and I oh, love the I music love that you put out there. What and I'm so grateful that we had a chance to connect up, and I wish you the best. Thank and you. um Yes. Good luck Thank with everything. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. There you have it, Amanda Blue from Spider. Interesting stuff, right? Would you have ever guessed that all those stories and people would have originated from a band that you've probably never even heard of, let alone remember? I just think that kind of stuff is fascinating when you can connect dots like that. I love that. That's really what this podcast is about. So thank you, Amanda, for talking to me. And thank you, Jim Headley, for making the recommendation. I've come to really appreciate Jim and his friendship. He uh, always sends me feedback on the episodes, sends me ideas for shows. We talk about the kind of music we find in thrift stores. There's been several times when I've questioned whether what we're doing here has mattered to anyone anywhere. And then I think, well, Jim's listening, so I guess that's something. So anyway, thank you, Jim, for becoming a buddy. Anyone else who wants to send me a recommendation for the show, just send me an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook, like our page, and send me a message on there, whatever you want. Please find us on iTunes and subscribe to the show. If you like stories like this about the great unsung artists that you probably haven't heard from for a while, just subscribe to the show. We put one out every Tuesday, and you can write us a review. I'd really appreciate that. Somebody out there, some very nice person, wrote a very nice review with some criticism that I also really appreciate that. Thank you for doing that, whoever you are. Subscribe to our playlist on YouTube. Just type in the Hustle Podcast playlist, or you can find us on Twitter, at the Hustle Pod. Admittedly, I'm not very good at Twitter. I don't really know how to do it very well. Maybe someone can tell me. But anyway, it's out there. I do my best. If you want to find older episodes that aren't showing up in iTunes anymore, just go to our webpage at thehustle.podbean.com. That's another one. I, uh, I don't do much with the webpage other than host and post things there. One of these days I'll learn how to do that. But if you want to find old episodes, that's where you go. Huge thanks to Jan Makkevich for producing this. Jan is our MVP. Thank you, Jan, for all the hard work. Come back next week. We have another wonderful woman from rock, only this time we're jumping to the 90s. Hope you will come back for that one. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you later. I'm